Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Lord God, Heavenly Father today, God, may we run to you. May we run to you, Lord God. God, may your word become so alive today in our lives. And may we realize, God, that and understand that our growth in you comes as a result of you being in us. Lord, may it be a lifelong pursuit, a lifelong, ever-growing journey that glorifies you. Oh, we pray this, God, in your Son's holy name. Amen. Well, good morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's so good to see you and be with you today. We are starting the second week of a, of a new series called Rooted. And, and in this series, we're, we're looking at our healthy growth in God. What does that look like as we continue to grow, as we continue to do and be who God's called us to be? And you know, I, I, I know that I, you guys have done this as well, but one of the traditions that Mary Beth and I had as kids, and then we continued on with our children, was the famous growth chart. Right? So you find a wall somewhere, you get a pencil, and you start making marks at various heights so that it would show us each year how much Brandon and Casey were, were growing physically. My parents did that. I remember one year, I think it was between my sophomore and my junior year, guys. I grew four and a half inches over that year. I was six, four and a half, and I weighed 175 pounds. I looked like a popsicle stick that couldn't walk. And, <laughs> Terrible, terrible, man, just crazy. But you see, these lines on the wall that we're talking about, they served as evidence or proof that, that we were physically growing each year. We could look at them and see that. And today, we're looking at another kind of growth chart. It's, it's Instead of having uh, proof through lines on a wall, the spiritual growth chart we're looking at is proven by the fruit in our lives. So if you have your Bibles this morning or your devices, if you would, if you'd open them up to the book of Luke, that's in the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, right? And if you'll open them up to the book of Luke, and, and we're looking at today a, a parable told by Jesus, again, that teaches us how his father, God, inspects, expects, and measures true repentance in our lives. Again, Luke, we're looking at chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, Luke 13, Six through nine, it says this. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I will dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. Okay, so before we jump in and start trying to interpret this, let's, let's look at who was Jesus talking to and, and what was he trying to, to share with them. 
And, and, and we see that in, um, in the very first part of this chapter, chapter 13, it, we read that, that there were some who were listening to Jesus and they begin to question him about the tragic way that some before them had died. Because at this time, and I think many times today, what people believe was that, that this type of death happened because someone was secretly living an ungodly life and, and, and they thought that maybe this was somehow a way that God punished them, right? And, and, and Jesus tells us in verse 5, he says, no, that's not true, right? Jesus says, no. He says, this has nothing to do with measuring righteousness. But then he says this, unless you repent, you too will perish. You see, Jesus is saying that he's reminding them that only through him, only through him was true righteousness found. So what we see is that our audience are those who were claiming to be believers. And in this parable, he makes it very clear again that his father God measures this true repentance and spiritual growth by the fruit we produce in our lives. So, so let's start looking at, let's kind of identify who the, who the people are in this parable, right? If you look at verse 6, the very first person we meet is a man who is obviously the boss. He's the owner of the vineyard, right? He's the one in control. And, and today he represents God. And the very first thing that we discover about God is this. He inspects what he expects. We catch him walking through his vineyard, and he's looking at every single plant and figuring out what it's doing and how it's doing and, and all that's going on. And, and then he gets to the fig tree, and he looks over and he sees that there's nothing on it at all, no fruit at all. So the next thing that we see is he tells the caretaker, right? He says, you know I've been out here for three years now patiently inspecting the fig tree and making sure that it has everything that it needs to grow and to produce. And now, in the third year where I'm supposed to get my return, I'm supposed to get my return on my investment, I find nothing, just get rid of it. Cut it down. You know, and at first glance, I think, I think we kind of really think that's kind of cold or harsh. I mean, God is a God of love and forgiveness, right? But, but you have to step back. And you have to look at all that God has done. You have to see all that he's invested in this tree. And when we do, we realize that he has every right to, in, to inspect and expect fruit. Let's, let's look a little bit about what he's done. Look at this. First, the first thing we see is he plant, you know, he's planted this tree, right? It's on this sunny slope and fertile ground in his vineyard. And he's making sure that everything it needs is there. It's very well cared for. So what we know is this tree had many advantages that other trees did not get. It received special treatment. The second thing we see is that the tree was allowed to grow and rise above the garden. And, and it, had these, uh, it had the whole sky to itself, and its large leaves were allowed to grow and spread, even though it blocked very important sunshine from the grapes below it. This tree was allowed to consume all the precious nutrients from the soil that it needed. And it was allowed and accepted by the landowner to do all of this as a trade-off. You see, the trade-off was, was that the, the fruit, even though it kept the grapes not as healthy, even though it took up space, the trade-off was the fruit that this tree would provide. The problem is... 
that the fig tree did not live up to its end of the bargain. You see, the fruit tree didn't live up to its end of the bargain. It was given so much, but gave nothing in return. I think sometimes that happens to us in life. I think really there are two kinds of people in the world, and we need to, we need to look at this. I think there are those who, who take more than they ever put in, and there are those who give or put in more than they ever take out. Who are we going to be today? I like how President Abraham Lincoln said this, Die when I may, I want it said of me that I plucked a weed and planted a flower anywhere I thought that a flower might grow. And you see, that's, that's the, the great thing about Jesus' parable is this. It, it wasn't uh, ever meant just to apply to these people. You see, the parable was purposely selected. It was purposely selected for God's holy Bible so that the generations after generations could learn from it and apply it to their lives. Because the truth is, guys, much like this fig tree, you and I this morning have been given special care and advantages that most of the world never gets. I mean, think about it, guys. We are free to explore what God has provided through his son, Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins. We're, we're free to explore that. We have been given the ability and the freedom to pray straight to the creator of the world through Jesus at any time and anywhere. And then when God spiritually inspired writers to create the Holy Bible, he allowed you and I to live in a country that allows us to read and study it as much as we'd ever like. And now we have commentaries and study guides available as well. And, and if all those things weren't enough, God then gives all believers the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to guide, direct, and protect us, to help us to interpret Scripture, and to assist us in the transformation of becoming more Christ-like in our lives. 2 Peter 1.3 says it this way. His divine power, speaking of God, his divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, I want you to hear this. Please hear this because it's very important. Today, I am not promoting work-based redemption or somehow that we can earn our way to heaven. I am not at all saying that. God does it all. God does everything and gives us everything we need. But here, what happens is Jesus is reminding them and us that if we truly repent of our sins through him, because of what God does next, fruit has no choice to become, than to become out of us because it's in us. It's all God. The second thing that we notice about the landowner of God is this, guys. He was not impressed by the outside, but he is inspecting what the inside is producing. Remember, this fig tree was tall with beautiful leaves, right? And to the world, it seemed like a perfect tree. But when God inspected it, because it continued year after year to produce no fruit, he said, cut it down, cut it down. Know this. We may be able to fool the world. Like this tree, we may look beautiful to the world. We may be able to fool them by saying the right things or, or saying them with elegance or great authority. But here's the deal. 
If Jesus is not coming out of us because he's in us, if the transformation of our soul is not changing the way you and I live, one day God will say, take it away and cut it down. Matthew 23, 26 said this, blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Then the next thing that, the next person that we meet, excuse me, is the caretaker, right? We, 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 we see the caretaker in this story, and here he is portraying Jesus. Jesus is the caretaker. And guys, I love this picture of our Savior. I love this picture because the very first thing that becomes apparent about Jesus is his mercy, his love, and his grace for us. Because if you look in verse 8, what does he say? He's speaking to God, and he says, sir, please. Leave it alone for one more year and let me dig around it and fertilize it. Do you see what that's saying? That's saying that Jesus, the Son of God, who's sitting at the right hand of our Lord, and he's advocating for you and for me this very day. You see, an advocate is someone who pleads on someone else's behalf. That's what Jesus does. And then listen to how the Bible describes our advocate, our Savior, our Jesus. It says this. The Son, speaking of Jesus, Colossians 1, excuse me, verse 15 through 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. That's our Savior. That's our advocate. He is the visible image of the invisible God. You know Jesus, you know God. You hear Jesus, you hear God. You see Jesus, you see God. That's our advocate. And I will tell you this, in my early years, when I was living for the world, and I was living for the world, and during that time, what I know is it was my advocate, Jesus, that was saying, God, one more year. There may be something there. One more year, God. Let me continue to fertilize Mark. Let me, let me dig around him, and let me, let me see if we can't get something out of this. That was my advocate, and he saved my soul from hell. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. And then the second thing that we see about Jesus in this parable is he is the ultimate root doctor. And ladies, I know some of your hair colors, you think that they are. No, Jesus is the ultimate root doctor. English writer and preacher John Bunyan said this about Jesus as the caretaker. He said, sometimes our root structure becomes earthbound, which means that the things of this world become too close to our heart, and that causes our roots to bound up horizontally instead of vertically. But Jesus comes in to dig around and loosen the grip. I got, a, I got a pretty cool example of this about a week ago. Um, many of you know that I, I am blessed to run the sports ministry here. And so I'm working on the yards, you know, and you know, I kind of inspect too. And so I'm out there walking in, in the football field. 
right in the middle of the field, there's this beautiful patch of Bermuda, right? And then over here, there's this really ugly patch. And, and, and so I, 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 I called my, my golf course superintendent, uh, Mark. He's an amazing guy. And, and I called him. I said, hey, can you come and look at this and let's see what's going on? And so Mark comes in. The first thing he does, he picks, picks his knife out and he, and he takes a chunk out of the nasty piece, right? And then he walks over to the good piece and he takes another chunk and cuts it out and pulls it up. And he looks at me and he says this. He says, Mark, you got to know something. It's always in the roots. It's always in the roots. And then he pulls this bad chunk and turns it over and he shows me and he says, look at this. The root in that chunk was dark gray and it was barely sticking out of the soil. And then he takes the good chunk and he turns it over and the roots are white and they're dangling. They're dangling down because they were trying to grow deeper and more entrenched in the soil. And you see, that, that, that's what Christ wants from us. He wants our roots searching deeper for the precious nutrients of God, the precious nutrients of God's Word that assist you and I in growing healthy fruit. And then the last element that we see in the parable today is the fig tree itself. And this fig tree represents the nation of Israel, and I believe all who claim to be followers of Christ but are producing no fruit. Because remember, much like the fruit tree and much like us, God provided the nation of Israel everything they needed to be a fruit-producing nation for him. If, if you remember, he separated them in two ways. By the Mosaic law, no one else had that. By the Mosaic law and also ge geographically by the way the land was situated. They were favored with revelations from God. And Israel was done, things were done for Israel that were never done for Egypt, for Nineveh, for Babylon, for Greece, or for Rome. So again, it was not only just but right that God would expect fruit from them. You see, this morning, there's such a connection between privilege and responsibility. Between privilege and responsibility, let me tell you what I mean by that. You and I, we're eager for the privilege of basking in the sun and, and, and being God's chosen people and being saved from eternal damnation. We're, we're, we're good with that. But we are slow to remember and slow to get excited about the fact that you and I are accountable for all that God gives us. Did you know that? Luke 12, 48 says it this way. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Yes. Yes, our God is loving and our God is patient. He is. But you have to understand and you have to know the truth that at some point when he's inspecting and expecting, if there is no fruit at some time in our lives, he will say, cut it down. Yes, Jesus, our Savior, he is our great advocator, and he is full of mercy and grace. But just like in this parable, at some point he will say, if it does not produce fruit by the next year, then cut it down. God inspects, and he has every right to expect fruit from us because he knows this. He knows if he is truly in us, he is truly coming out of us.
If God is in us, he's truly coming out of us. So we, we've been talking about this fruit, right, all day. We've been talking about this fruit. What, what are we talking about when we talk about this fruit? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the spontaneous, holy work of the Holy Spirit inside each and every believer. The Spirit produces character traits that are found in the nature of Jesus. In other words, they are byproducts of a life controlled by Christ. So what we know is this. You and I are incapable of producing fruit without the Holy Spirit living in us, right? And we know that, that only, only can the Holy Spirit live within us as Christ becomes our Savior and our Lord. But when Christ is our Savior and Lord and when the Holy Spirit is in us, you and I will produce fruit. We can't help it. What does that fruit look like? What does the fruit look like? How, what does it look like, guys? Galatians 5, 23 explains this. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And, and like any fruit, there is a growing season. So you may be in that growing season right now. But there is a time when believers grow and mature in God's Word, and, and the fruit begins to be produced. But it does take time. And God is patient, and He gives us everything we need to grow. But I do want you to know this as well today. As you examine your life and you think about this, I want you to know this. If the fruit of God is in you, it will change you. It will change the way you hear. It will change the way you think. It will change the way you believe. And eventually, it will change the way you and I act. It has to. Because God is in us. That is the way you and I will live the way God desires. Because it is only because of the God in us that allows the God to come out of us. It is only the God in us that allows God to come out of us. Amen? John 15, 8 says it this way. He says, this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing you are my disciples. Matthew 3, 8, this is John the Baptist. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And then John 15, verses 1 through 2, now Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that even, it will be even more fruitful. God is in us. God comes out of us. God is not in us. God can't come out of us. It's that simple. I was looking at, you know, okay, so how do you, how do you, I love examples, right? So I'm like, how do you do this? How do you know this? And, and so I was looking in Google and I found something. So I, I want to tell you that because I didn't want you to, to, uh, to be over impressed in any way, okay? So, so I'm looking at that, and, and I, it says that, that God has, a cre has some in his creation that have the ability to continue growing physically 
until the day they die. And, and the scientific name for that is called indeterminate growers. They are indeterminate growers. And for example, a lobster, a lobster will continue to grow its entire life until preyed upon or killed. They, they found one not long ago that weighed 20 pounds. And, and just like these creatures are allowed to continue to grow physically, they are able to continue to grow physically. God gives us as believers the ability and everything we need, and he expects us to continue growing spiritually until the day he calls us home. I need you to understand that. We've talked about this before. So many times people are living in this checkbox world. I know Jesus. I'm done. No. No. No, you're not. You see, today we started with a chart that proved that we were growing physically each year, right? We could look at the pencil markings and it would prove how much we were growing each year. And my prayer is today what you see is that the way that God looks for as proof of our spiritual growth and true repentance, he's inspecting our lives. What would it look like today? What does your chart look like? When God's inspecting your heart this very day, what does it look like? Are we continuing to grow? Are we continuing to allow God's word to nourish our soul daily? Is the fruit evident in our lives? Do people see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness? Do they see faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in all that we do and all that we are? Because it is in us. Do they see that? Or are we caught up in the things of this world? Are we so caught up in the things of this world that our roots are bundled up gray and growing horizontally? Where are we? My prayer is that we become a church that we become a church that shows the world what can happen when you and I allow God to do what only God can do, produce fruit in the hearts of his people. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine living with joy, love, and peace in your life, no matter what else is going on in the world. I want you to imagine that. I want you to imagine showing patience, kindness, and goodness in a sinful environment every single day. And imagine a life that exhibits faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in a world that seems to be spinning out of control. Do you not think that people would take notice? Do you not think people would look and go, who are they and why? What are they doing? Why are they like this? You see, at some point, many are going to ask why. They're going to ask why. God's going to get them to a point in their life where they're going to go, how do you do that? And you and I get a chance to point them to the only one that can do it for them as well. You see, that, that's, that's what we are to do, right? Once we're saved, our life is about glorifying God, and you and I have to produce a fruit. We have to produce a fruit that's in us that makes people want to see that and want to be like that. Guys, sometimes I've seen what we do, and nobody should want to be like us. God gives us the ability to love. 
He gives us the ability to have joy and peace in our lives, and we've got to allow that to come out. And if it's not, you and God have got to do some talking. Guys, this is real. This is as real as it gets. This parable is so real because so many people say, yes, I know Jesus, and they're done. No. You see, no, it can't happen that way because if there's not fruit in your life, at some point in time, God is going to look and say, cut it down. That's just the truth. He will give us everything we need. Everything we'll need. He'll fertilize our soul. He'll grow around our roots. He'll work them so that they'll go down instead of horizontally. He'll do all that he needs to do. Everything that you need. And we just need to be obedient. We just need to be obedient. We need to allow God to transform our hearts and our souls because when he does, we will want to do those things. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. That's what God does. Church, he wants to produce fruit in us. He wants us to lead the way in this community. He wants people to be wanting to get in here to see what in the world is going on because people are walking out of here differently. They live differently. That's why this parable is in the Bible. The fruit that you and I give off is proof that God is in us or he's not. Let me pray. Heavenly God, Lord, thank you for today. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our God. Thank you, God, that you are so kind to us. God, thank you that you give us everything we need to live the way you want us to live. Please, today, God, may we inspect our own lives. May we look and see, are, those days, are there days where we're, where we're producing fruit, God, or are there days where people see nothing like that in us? God, may we ask for forgiveness and may we get better the next day through your love and through your support. Oh, oh, Holy Spirit, please, please guide us and direct us in how we live. It's so important. We can't point others to you until they see you in us. And I pray today, God, that this church leads the way in that, God. That, that we, Lord, lead the way in this community. That there's fruit that's just oozing out of us. And I pray, God, Lord, I pray the desire of our life is to be more like your son. Thank you, God. Thank you for this parable, for what it teaches. And help us, God. Help us to slow down and inspect ourselves. Lord, may we grow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.